The theme of our message today is this, won't you be my neighbor? We're going to be looking in Mark chapter 12. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. And if you could stand with me as we read God's word uh, today. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, it says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Did did you hear that? There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. He was Jesus. But anyways, he said, well said. You are right in saying that God, it's interesting, he repeats everything that he says, that God is one and there is no other one but him. To love him with all your heart, and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to them, him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then, no one dared ask him any more questions. Father, as we open up your word today and as we look at such a familiar passage, I pray that we'll live it out. I pray that we will be obedient to these words that you have commanded us. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, God. In your name I ask this, amen. You may be seated. As we continue in our series through the book of Mark, uh, we're, as, as you can see, we're in Mark 12, and this is the tail end of several questions that religious leaders are asking Jesus. In, in the first questions came from the Pharisees or the Herodians in verses 13 through 17. The second set of questions, or the second question comes from the Sadducees uh, in verse 18 through 27. And the third one come from the teachers of the law called the scribes. So you have the Pharisees, the Herodians, and the Sadducees, who were all political and religious leaders, part of this, uh, a group called the Sanhedrin. And the scribes could be a part of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But their specific role was they were, they were interpreters of Scripture. They were specialists in the Word of God. Around the age of 40, you, if you knew God's Word well, and these guys had it memorized, uh, they would they would be ordained into the role of a scribe. Uh, they were given the right to sit on the, the court of the Sanhedrin. Um, they were referred to as lawyers. And so this is the individual who asked Jesus this specific question that the, all these other guys had asked, and then he got, they got to the scribes. You remember, how many, how many uh, laws has pastor shared with us did the Pharisees hold to? 600, 613, they had, they, they had all these lists of laws. I had to write down the words of the song so I would remember that when I came. Can you imagine trying to remember 613 laws? And so Jesus gives this brilliant answer, and you guys know this, we've talked about this before. He goes back into the Old Testament, and he shares with them the bedrock of their faith, the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is like, this is what they stood on. This is what they hang 
on their doors to this day. They have, they have this on their doors of, of their homes. And then Leviticus 19.18. It's interesting, a similar story in Luke 10 is shared with another scribe came up and, and asked Jesus a similar question. And after Jesus gave an answer, what did that scribe ask Jesus? Do you remember what he said after Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself? He said, okay, who is my neighbor? Who, who is my neighbor, this person you're talking about? And Jesus gives this amazing, challenging story that you guys know of the Good Samaritan and talks about this Jewish man who was going down six miles to Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, down through the Wadi Kelp, this, this, this valley. And as he's walking down, he has the tar beat out of him by these robbers. Leave him on the side of the road to, the, to be dead. And in, 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 in Jesus talks about the first person who goes by is a Baptist. In what? No. Um, it was actually a Pharisee, but it was a religious leader of the day. Second was a non-denominational church. No, it was, it was a Levite. But it could be any of us today, right, that walked by this man and left him to die. Now, I'm not going to give you a modern-day version of the Samaritan. Use, use the individual who you would rank that you don't like. I know that's really hard. You don't like to say that. But that's exactly what Jesus does. He puts a person in the Jewish person's mind that was asking that question, somebody that they hated. So much so that at the end of Jesus' story, he asked the scribe, who showed the greatest love here? The guy couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He says, the one who showed the most mercy. <laughs> he couldn't even say Samaritan because they hated him so. And Jesus gives them an example of what it truly means to love your neighbor. In Jesus' mind, these two commands were paramount. They were foremost. You can't have one without the other. I like what one commentary says. One cannot love God, who is one, without an expression of that love, which is loving one's neighbors. If you are not loving your neighbors, you are not loving God, is what they're saying. So, let's talk about this. Who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Neighbor means... It, neighbor. Um, it means a friend. It means, <laughs> I like what this, any other person. Uh, according to the Jews, their definition of a neighbor was a member of the Hebrew race and country. According to Jesus Christ, a neighbor is any person, irrespective of race or religion, with whom we live or whom we have a chance to meet. I've been reading a book uh, recently called The Art of Neighboring, something that we have lost in our culture. And on the first pages of this book, the author states, can you imagine, what if who is my neighbor means the person who actually is our neighbor, who actually lives right next to us? What if that is what my neighbor means. I think that actually might be 
one of the answers of what it is. So for 2,000 years, it's been right next to us. Our neighbor is the person who is right next to us. We wanna, I want to walk through this with you on the back of, of, of your bulletin. Um, this is not Hollywood Squares um, or Tic-Tac-Toe. <laughs> Although in this one, you get to be in the middle, which is really cool. So just imagine, you like Shadow Stevens. I just dated myself. But in the did anybody watch Hollywood Squares? Yeah, I'm really dating myself. My daughter's going to be like, what are you talking about, Dad? That's okay. I'll explain later. Um, so this right here is an example of what your neighborhood or maybe where you work in an office, or maybe if you're in college, it represents uh, the people who live in the dorm around you, or maybe you're, if, you're, if you're in high school, it's maybe one of your classes, the people who sit around you, see what I mean? So what I'd like you to do is this. Who are, who are our neighbors? So on this sheet, there's eight boxes that represent the eight homes, the eight individuals that live around you. So for th there's three letters in each box. So next to the letter A, what I'd like you to do is, if you know, put the name of the individual. If you know the last name, that's really cool. But, but put the name of the individual who lives in that box around you, the eight houses. If you live out in the country, try to, try to spread it out a little bit. You know what I mean? But so, like, for instance, I would put um, Mike and Amy. I would put Scott, I would put Ron, I would put David and Don. Notice I said four, not eight. <laughs> I, I need to keep learning my neighbor. So under the, if you could, just write down the name of the individual that represents that house. Cool? Okay. Under B, and some of you who are really thinkers, you can do this, take this home and do it later. But under B, write down something relevant just information about each one of those homes or individuals. Data. Facts that you'd have to get from actually connecting with them. Not that they like have like the brand new zero turn that you want or they have a red car or they just have, you know, the new truck that you would not not that. Things like where they grew up or what they do for a living or a hobby that they have. Or maybe what state or even country they're from. So that would be under B. So A is their names. That's all it is. B is just some relevant information about them. C is write down some in-depth information. For example, do you know their career plans or their dreams that they have? Do you know what they want to do when they, they retire someday? What motivates them to do what they do? What do they believe about God? What do they fear most? What are their spiritual beliefs or practices? Anything meaningful that you will have learned from them from an ongoing relationship with them. So A is the names of the individuals. B is just some, just some general facts that you've gathered from them. And, and C is, is something more in-depth that you know about them. You know, as, as, I, as I did this, it's, it's very, um, just my personality, I can beat myself up because I don't know all of them, you know, especially since we moved to the country. I don't know everybody, but you're in good company with me. Um, statistics say 10% of us 
only 10% of us can fill in all eight names of all eight homes or people that live around us. 3%, only 3% can fill out line B for everybody. And less than 1% of us can actually fill out letter C. We have, we have lost in our culture today the art of neighboring. As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about my parents in the neighborhood I grew up uh, back in Vermont on Silver Circle. We literally knew almost every single one of our neighbors. We knew everything about our neighbors. We, we had, my mom had a four by six card next to our telephone that hung on the wall that had the cord that goes everywhere in our house that had everybody's neighbor, every one of our neighbor's numbers on it because if something happened, if some, we stayed connected with them. We had parties together. We did 4th of July, Christmas. We knew our neighbors, all of us kids. We, we hung out together and played in each other's sandboxes together. And sometimes we left our sandbox, their sandbox, because we were mad at them and had to go back to our sandbox. You know, we do that as adults too sometimes. Um, but I encourage you to take this and not beat yourself up, but use this as a tool, um, as an intentional tool to learn your neighbors. You might not have anybody written down on this. That is okay. You are like many of us who probably are sitting here now. Make it your goal this year to just learn somebody's name. Just to learn somebody's name. As you're walking out in the neighbor, as, as the weather gets nicer, which it might someday soon, um, as the weather gets nicer you, and you're going out to care for your lawn or, or, or pick up trash or take your trash can out, just, hey, how's it going? Just get to know your neighbors and be intentional. I encourage you to, to hang this somewhere where you can pray, start praying for those, those houses that are around you. Take this to your small group and, and as a small group, together commit to praying for who your neighbors are. Remember this, um, this, is, this is a tough one, but ministry's messy sometimes. Um, as you get to know people, um, you, you get to know people. And, and can I just say one thing, and, and I say this almost every time I speak now, because if we pulled back the curtain of all of our lives, we're all messed up apart from Christ. Just remember, as we get to know people, we get to know all about people, and sometimes stuff we get to know about each other is not necessarily fun. Um, but realize, make it your goal to intentionally get to know your neighbors. Do you know what the nations are coming to us? We are, we have, we have, you don't have to go around the world to reach the nations. You can just go next door now to reach the nations. Isn't that awesome? So who's your neighbor? I encourage you to take time to process who your neighbors are. Second of all, so how do you do it? How do you connect with your neighbors? You know, Jesus was always connecting with people. As we've gone through the book of Mark together, we see that. He connected with the disciples who, before they met Christ, were messed up. I mean, they were just like, really? Um, he met with the lady. Remember, pastor preached a couple weeks ago about the lady who had been bleeding for 12 years, who was an outcast in her community, and he reached down and he ministered to her, and he friended her, and he healed her. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, other people that Jesus befriended and loved and cared for. I read this convicting description of what it means to, to, to neighbor, to, 
to love your neighbor. It was in one of the commentaries I read. It says this, the overwhelming commandment to neighbor love. Now those are the two amazing things we need to ponder, he says, before we dive into the overwhelming commandment to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I say it is overwhelming because it seems to demand that I tear the skin off my body and wrap it around another person so that I feel that I am that other person. And all the longings that I have for my own safety and my own health and my own success and my own happiness, I now feel for that other person as though that person were me. It is, he goes on to say it's absolutely staggering commitment and commandment. If this is what it means, then something unbelievably powerful and earth-shaking and reconstructing and overturning and upending will have to happen in our souls. Something supernatural. Something well beyond what self-preserving, self-enhancing, self-exalting, self-esteeming, self-advancing human beings like you and I can do on our own. Before we take up such a commandment and apply it to our lives, we need to ponder these two amazing things that surround the commandment. That the commandment to love God is great and foremost commandment in the word and to love the word of God and that all the law and prophets depend, depend on these two commandments. We need to do this. Jesus commanded it. None of us liked it when our parents told us that this is what you have to do. We weren't fans. Were you a fan? I was never a fan. And I grew up in the generation when my dad told me to do something. Do you know why? And I asked why. How did he answer? Yeah, and I know that in this parenting culture today, you're, not, you're supposed to. That's how my dad did it. <laughs> Jesus said, you must love me with everything that you are. And you must love your neighbor as yourself taking your skin off and putting theirs on. That's hard. That's hard. So how do we become a friend? Um, one of my dear friends, um, I actually asked him, I said, I said, um, like, who, who actually came up with a friend acrostic? I want to give, you know, whoever did it honor, and I think it was him. He goes, just tell him this is exactly what Jesus teaches us to do. <laughs> So the acrostic is not, I didn't make this, I got this from a friend, but th this is what it stands for. So how do we do this? How do we love our neighbor? We become their friend. The F stands for this, find common ground. So what does that mean, find common ground? Well, figure out, are they married or single? Are they divorced? Are they remarried? Do they have kids? How old are their kids? Where do the kids go to school? Have they ever lost a child? How long have they lived in the neighborhood or town? What brought them to this community? Are just some of the questions you can not, you're not going to go, are you married or single? <laughs> Do you have kids? Yeah, don't be weird. Don't be weird. But just in normal conversation as you're befriending somebody, just, just figure these things out. R stands for respect them as an image bearer of Christ. Respect them as an image bearer of Christ. Everybody you lock eyes with is an image bearer of Jesus Christ, whether you agree with everything that they do or not. No matter what their background is, 
no matter what their position of life, no matter what their life choices, whether it, they follow God's word or not. They are image bearers of Jesus. Our culture would tell us now, which makes me mad, can I just say that? Our culture tells us now, the only way that you can love somebody is if you agree with them in everything. That is false. God's word has some truths that are true, that we as believers can stand on. We need to stand on and just, we follow God's word and our culture is telling us all of these things that are against God's word, but we can still love people if we disagree with them. Don't ever let somebody tell you differently. Stand on the truths of God's word, but be nice about it. Be kind. Be humble when you love other people. You know who our example is of this? Jesus. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our example of how to do this, of how to love people like this. The I. So F is find common ground. The R is respect them as an image bearer of Christ. The I stands for interests they have. You know, what do they like to do in their free time? Do they have any hobbies? If so, what? Do they like sports? You, you know, I've shared with you one of my dearest friends now who's a neighbor who lives about a mile away from me. We live in the country, so that he's my neighbor. We've met each other through a hobby, and he's one of my dearest friends now. We're having coffee tomorrow morning. We've already scheduled it. Nine o'clock, we're having, David and I are having coffee. We are dear friends. Do they like sports? If so, which team? And if it's not the team you like, be nice to them. Um, what team is their favorite? Do they watch TV? If so, what show is their favorite? Where do they like to go on vacation? Just basic things to figure out what their interests are. F-R-I-E is engage and encourage them. Find opportunities to encourage your neighbors. If you live in a neighborhood with an HOA, Um, is this streaming right now? No. Um, have you ever thought that the neighbor who frustrates the tar out of you because their grass is so long maybe is a single parent who's working 80 plus hours a week just to put a roof over their children's head? Maybe that individual has just been diagnosed with cancer and they can't actually go and mow their lawn. Have you ever thought about just taking your mower and mowing their lawn for them? Instead of being like, you idiot, your house looks terrible. Don't be one of those people. Don't be the HOA, HOA I'm not going to say that word. Don't be the HOA person like that. Show them you love them. That can go so far to show the love of Christ to somebody. Notes. The N stands for notes. Find ways to stay in contact. You know, maybe my mom, we had a, we had a neighborhood call tree. Maybe you started a neighborhood Facebook group. Maybe, maybe you, you, you find ways to just connect with them. You figure out their birthdays, their anniversaries. Send them a text on their birthday and anniversary. Send a Christmas card out to them. Find ways to stay connected with them. And D is develop a relationship. Invite them to, to share a meal or coffee together. 
Have them over to an event at your house that you host. Um, invite them to an event at church. You know, I, I've, um, I've just been so blessed to get to know uh, Ken and Nancy over this last year. And I could share you steps of how, you know, what you should do, but what I've learned from Ken and Nancy is they actually do this. So I, um, Ken's going to come and just share a testimony and how they actually have lived this out. Ken, could you share? Thanks, Brian. Um, you know, Brian asked me to come and, uh, you know, share the, the method or the model of, of what Nancy and I use. But um, Nancy and I, we got married at 18 and 19. If you, if you see the Jesus Revolution movie, that's our life there. It was, we, were, we lived on the West Coast, not that West Coast, but on the West Coast of Florida. There was a revolution taking place also. And uh, we didn't know any better. We, we, we bought all in. And we didn't know that there was anything different than sharing your faith with people. And, um, but one thing is, is that I realized that it isn't about a model or a method. It's really about a mindset, and it's really about our heart. Because before you can really reach out and build relationships with people who are far from God, you have to have the heart of God. And that's the one thing that we prayed about is, God, give us your heart. Help us to see people the way you see them. Help us to love people the way that you love them. You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. I guess if he loves the world, he expects us to. And so it's like Brian said, everyone you lock eyes with, Jesus died for. Every, you know, everyone you lock eyes with is on a spiritual journey. And God is drawing them to himself. And um, I think about Jesus and when, when, he, when he was preaching, and then he called Matthew a tax collector. And that was a radical life change for him. And I can, can you imagine, it, the first thing that, that Matthew did he, he came to Jesus and said, I'm having a party. And I want you to come because all my friends are coming. And my life's been changed because of you. And I want you to meet my friends. I want them to know you. And I can imagine Jesus just putting his arm around Matthew and saying, I love your heart. I love your heart. And that's exactly what it means. It's, just, it's not rocket science. It's just making friends. But, you know, it seems like, according to the statistics, the uh, personal evangelism, what we call personal evangelism, which is, I mean, it is at an all-time low. And one of the reasons why is because the statistics show that the longer you've been a Christian, the less lost friends you have. To pretty soon, all you have is Christian friends. And we ask, how will the salt salt? How will the light light if it's not touching, if it's not shining on it? So that's one of the reasons that we want to develop relationships it's not only just so that you can go and tell. Sometimes you build a relationship so that you can say, come see. But, so, you know, when you think about, we've been, we've been doing this uh, since, you know, since we became Christians in, our, in high school, and we don't know, didn't know any different. And we've done it everywhere that we live. When we moved here to uh, uh, Columbus, we were in a neighborhood, and uh, we began to meet neighbors. Nancy, when we first moved there, we were on a block, and she brought muffins to everyone's house and introduced herself. And uh, we ride around the block, and we stop, and we see people, and we, Nancy has her phone, and they always know Nancy has her phone because she writes their names to the phone. And we started doing something where we've, we lived everywhere, and that's that we have a Christmas open house for the neighborhood. And so when we came to uh, you know, Columbus, the year after we were here, we started having an open house on a first Friday. And we, we, we send these texts out to people that we would meet when we were riding our bikes around the neighborhood. 
And I think we had about 40 or 50 the first uh, time we had it. And we've had it every year since. And we've gotten to know people different ways. We, when we started doing that, we also, other people started having things that it, in, in the middle of summer uh, at New Year's. And uh, there was a Christmas Eve party that we went to this year because our kids weren't at home. And so we get to meet all kinds of people. There's all kinds of activities within our Development, but you know you do that. But hey, you say how do you do that? You do that by inviting them over by just basically building a friendship with them. He's, what do you do? What do you like? Uh, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do for fun? Uh, one guy that I, uh, when I was in Kentucky, uh, that lived a couple of doors down from us, uh, I got to know him, Nancy and I, with his wife, and uh, he's a rock climber. I'm afraid of heights. And so he and I told Nancy, he's a rock climber. He wants me to go come climbing with him. I said, I, I can't do that. And she says, well, you just trust the Lord. <laughs> It'll be okay. And I went climbing with him. I climbed with this guy for two years. And that's one thing. If you're not willing to love someone where they're at, you know, it's like, oh, well, if they don't become a Christian in six months, I'm moving on. You know, you got to love them where they're at. It's not trying to get a notch in your Bible. And, and so we climbed for two years and I tried to share my story with him, not even the gospel with him, just my story, and he would always change the subject, and we were going to be moving, and the last time that we climbed in those two years, I got in the car that morning, we stopped at Mr. Donut, got our coffee and our donut, as we usually did before we hit the cliffs, and uh, he looked at me, and he said, Ken, you know, we've been climbing for two years, and we're going to, we might not see each other again, I want to ask you one question, can you tell me how Jesus came into your life? Two years of building a relationship, barbecuing with this guy, doing all kinds of stuff, and I never got to share my story. And he said, and we spent all day climbing and talking about how Jesus Christ came into Nancy and I's life. But you have to be intentional, you have to be committed, and you actually have to love them enough. And your heart has to break for them. And, you know, one thing that, that I've discovered is this. Life's a rehearsal, not a rehearsal. You don't get to do it over. And if you're going to do what you're going to do, you need to be, get, get on with it. And that's one thing for us as Christians. And if, and if we don't have to be perfect, they're not expecting you to be perfect. In fact, don't, don't act perfect because they know you're faking it. You just need to be authentic. You just have to be real. And what happens, and this is the, the crux of it, as you get to know them and you build that relationship with them, they get to see who you really are and they see the difference that Christ has made in your life. And when you do life together, life happens. And they come to a point where they want to know why you're different. So let me give it back to you, Brian. You One of the things Ken said um, um, earlier was you don't have to add more to your schedule in the week. Just have them join you with what you're already doing. Um, just have them join you with what you're already doing. Um, if you could show, is that next? Can you show the picture with the with the dots on it? This is a little bit dated, but I wanted to show you this. Um, this is actually, um, for the most part, where our members and regular attenders live in 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 this. And some of you might live a little bit beyond this, but can you imagine? And, and I know you're like, holy cow, eight. Yeah, you know, Jimmy's looking at it. He's like, that's where we used to live. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you're like overwhelmed by this and you're like, holy cow, 
they had 40 people over at their house. That's like made me throw up. I like to throw up in my mouth. That's woo. That's not what I'm, if you can do that, great. All I'm asking you to do is just really consider getting to know the person who lives next door. That's all. That's all. The person who lives next door. And you might live way out in the country. Well, who's the person that works in the cubicle or the office next to you? Just get to know them. A couple of us pastors went to a conference last week. And I'm not, I'm not a really big statistic guy, but this one really hit me. And, and, I, and I, I believe it's true in our country right now, in our community. 81, 81% of the people that live in our community, if you would just walk up to them and invite them to church and say, I'll go with you, they would go. They, they would go. Can you imagine how high that number would be if we actually built relationships with those individu individuals? Can you imagine how high that would be? They would, they would come. If you want to learn more about what we're talking about, the next two weeks, um, 9.30 a.m. in room 208, the next two Sundays, starting next week, we're going to have a contagious Christianity class. We're going to be talking about it in the podcast this week. Um, that's going to go up on Wednesday. I encourage you to listen to that as well. But we're going to talk about more about how to practically be what God has called us to be. Finally, I've been asked by some in the past, why don't we go door to door like we used to do as churches? You know, first of all, we're in a different culture today. That worked really well 20 and 30 years ago. But even since COVID, actually, if you drove down Carroll Northern Road, took a left on Pleasantville Road and came out to my driveway, how many people have been to my house before? Have you seen the sign that I have on the telephone pole right as you turn into my driveway? What does it say? No soliciting. I don't like people coming to my door if I don't know who you are. Now, some people are called to that, and I'm not minimizing that. If you are, praise the Lord. Go for it. Go for it. Cold call. It's praise the Lord. But I don't think Jesus is calling us to go to a neighborhood that we're not from, to go door to door. I think what he's calling us to do is getting out of our house and going next door to the person who lives right next to us, who we might already have a relationship with. And if not, be intentional in building that. Go next door. Love your neighbor. I would encourage us, if you guys would stand um, there's a passage of scripture that I would like to read together, um, and I would like to pray over each one of us today. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, it says this. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds... He got frustrated because they didn't believe the same way politically that he did. No, it doesn't say that, does it? When he saw the crowds, they were flying the wrong flag at their house. No, no, he didn't say that either, did he? When, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. That doesn't sound like our world and our community today. I don't know what does. Then he said to his disciples, hey guys, you know what? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. My question for each of us today is this. Won't you and I be their neighbor? Father, I'm so grateful for using this passage, you using this passage in my life this week and again convicting me about how you desire for us to love those who live right next door. Father, you say in this passage that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And and I believe, God, even today, that the harvest is still plentiful. I pray that we, as a church and as individuals, that we would be faithful. And as my brothers and sisters are standing right now with me, I pray that you would commission us and that you would send us out and that we would live out this this week and that we would continually be intentional about loving those who live right next door. Father, I pray that you would bless this effort, that we would be able to see a mighty move of you as we are faithful to what you have called us to do and be. Help us to be a neighbor. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your love for us, God. And I ask these things in your precious and holy son's name. Amen. We're going to sing.